With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, I am coming to you live from my hotel room in snowy, frigid, slushy downtown Cleveland um, at the dawn of NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, I love All-Star Weekend, despite that little preamble there. Um, are you an All-Star person or, or not so much, Chris? No, uh, I just think it's <laughs> between you and me. We were just talking off off camera about just the, the there's a lot of shenanigans and there's a lot of shenanigans to not necessarily get players one on one, which is what I think all of us want, certainly at the bigger <laughs> publications. And there's just too many shenanigans for me, um, particularly in, an, in a covid environment to where you can't even really just pull people aside um, the way you could a few years ago. What I used to really take a lot of pride in or like have a lot of fun with, at least is probably a better way to put it was you you have the all-stars. You've got 24 guys between the two teams, the coaches they're hounded because they're the best players in the world. So you always get like a random Paul Millsap or an Al Horford or a guy that basically like isn't of the caliber year in year out that everybody else is very, very good player. These are already the 450 best players in the world, but then you take that and these are the best 25 players in the world, 24. Um, but you've got that 23rd, 24th guy that just like nobody's really amped to talk about their local reporters are there. But after a while they're like, Oh, but LeBron's over there. And so, you know, so Paul Millsap is basically just standing there sitting there by himself it's a really cool opportunity to just talk to those guys, pick their brains, to write fun stories around them, to write fun stories around guys that traditionally aren't all-stars that like don't really fit an all-star concept. Well, like a Luol Dang or something like that, or a Mm -hmm. random sort of like those sorts of players are weird for an all-star game. Like they Mm -hmm. get in the game, they score four points. They don't fit like they're grinders. So they don't fit like a up and down high flying sort of game. I've always really had fun doing that. I remember talking to DeMarcus Cousins, and then he got traded like a couple hours later. That was crazy. Um, I remember that. I was there. That was, was funny. insane. I asked him a question about why he gets blocks off, and he's like, bruh, you don't have to make it this conspiracy <laughs> theorist that I can't jump. I'm, 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 I'm horrible at jumping. <laughs> but like, just fun responses where it's like, to me, nowadays, what I really enjoy is like something where not all the cameras are on, and there aren't 10,000 people watching. Now that we have to do so much stuff through Zoom, all of it is like that. But it's just cool to have conversations where you may use it, you may not, but there's not pressure on it. Because if you don't use it, it doesn't hurt anything. If you do use it, it's not so far out there already where everybody's already heard the response before you even get back to your computer. So um, I liked it for that reason. But because now it's getting more difficult to do it that way, 
it's um it's it's just a spectacle and i i don't get that much out of it personally chris that was a very inside baseball answer that i was not expecting but i appreciate it and i bet our listeners gleaned um a bunch of insight from it so so th- thank you for that i was more asking like are you as a as like a a, a a human being do you like are you i guess there's like two camps of people who do this for a living slash just sure. love basketball and it's like are you does like the inner child in you pop out during the dunk contest or like when the game is actually happening, are you like these guys aren't trying? Screw this! I hate everything about this this event. Like in right. those two camps, which would you say you are? I'm a little bit of both. I think um, the dunk contest. I'm still a huge little kid about. Um, same, same, same. But honestly, I think that's that goes back to what I was saying before. I think it's a lot more fun to watch when you're not there. Um, for how cool it is to have the job that we have to be able to go to this stuff that's an event that kind of sucks to watch live because you can't really conceptualize how cool it is until you've seen the replay. Um, and so, I mean, every now and then you've got a dunk that is just so spectacular that even in real time, it's crazy, but like to have the TV to watch and see all the angles of the replays is insane. And there are a lot of dunks that you go back and look at now and you're like, wow, the crowd really didn't grasp how amazing that was the Dwight Howard dunk where he did that thing. And he, kind of smiled midair and twirled around. And I was watching it the other day, like people slept on this and you, (laughs) the sleep potential is a lot higher when you're in person than when you're, than when you're watching it on TV. So I really enjoy that one and feel like something's lost when you're there in person for it. Um, The all-star game itself with the Elam ending, I think is a lot more fun too, at least when the game is close. I think it's a, it's a very fun concept. I'm, I'm happy that we have it, but um Every now and then you have a game that's incredible, but more more often than not, it's just it's it's just kind of whatever. You have a couple of moments that are cool, but I can kind of do without it for the most part. Yeah, on today's show, we'll be opening up the mailbag to answer some long overdue questions, and you and I will be making a few All Star predictions, which I'm, I'm very excited about. Very serious stuff. Um, but first, a a quick reminder to our listeners to please keep your emails coming to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. All right, so before we get into everything, Chris, I want to get your reaction to news from late last night that uh, after a scary fall against the Utah Jazz a couple days ago, Anthony Davis has sprained his foot and will miss at least four weeks of action. Uh, the Lakers beat the Jazz in that game, but man, oh man, they are still in ninth place. Uh, two and a half games up on the Blazers, four and a half up on the Spurs and the Pelicans. Um, this injury would keep Davis out of at least 11 of LA's final 24 games, I believe, uh, assuming that he comes back on schedule, which is no guarantee with him. Um, how, how worried should the Lakers be? Um, not just in the short term, but also like, Anthony Davis is hurt again, uh, this time from, I don't know if you saw the play, I'm sure you did, from just jumping up and, and landing with nobody around. Uh, like I, I just wonder if we'll ever see the guy we saw in the bubble again, honestly, and I, I, I hope so, because he was great, but it just looks less and less likely every day he gets older. So just in your view, just how, how concerned should LA be in the short and the long term here? Concerned. I mean, certainly concerned. I. Let me. I, I should have pulled up the standings to be prepared for this exact question. I mean, I think that they'll make the plan. Um, I'm not really worried about that. Now they might make it as literally the ten, um, depending on how stuff goes. Um, you know, you would expect that Portland may fall out. Maybe one team replaces them with with everything that's gone on with their roster at the trade deadline. They'll probably make the plan. I just and I, I wrote this yesterday, and the piece that I wrote yesterday, I don't see at this point a path other than just LeBron being LeBron to like, does anybody expect the Lakers to do anything here? Like if they make the playoffs, they're going to make it as an eight probably. And they're going to have to play the Suns or the warriors, which you, I don't know how it's possible to feel good about any of that. Even if Davis is there, I don't know that you feel good about that. Like they're obviously a better team with them and you feel really good about how LeBron is playing, but the whole point of having LeBron and AD and, and to some extent their rationale for getting Russ 
was that if we're down one of these guys, we have two others. Okay, Russ has certainly not been at a star level this year, so you've basically got one other. LeBron has carried this thing and has been incredible or done his best to do that. But even with his performances, they've not been very good. So I don't, I, I just don't know, like, have we ever seen a team go from being a favorite? We probably have. It's probably that Lakers team with Nash and Howard, uh, like a team go from being like a favorite in some people's eyes, a lot of people's eyes to being this bad. And granted, yes, injuries have played a role, but even if they weren't injured, I don't think that they'd be like a top three, four seed. Honestly, I'm not sure if you feel differently. So it's a concern short term because, you know, whether he's back, when he's back, maybe they're scary. Like they'd be a scary eight seed for somebody to play. But I mean, they've been healthy long enough to have shown that they're not that great, even when they're at full strength and they don't have much depth when they're, you know, in long term. Yeah, it's a concern. It's a huge one because you have a question, a very fair question about AD, whether he can ever be the bubble version, the, you know, the long perimeter jump shot version that's shooting better than 22 or 23 percent from three like he's done the last two years it's just not going to cut it for that when you've got a team that already has spacing concerns so i mean he's been he had been incredible up till this injury um as far as just inside and doing the inside work and getting back to dominating from that standpoint on the glass but i think the main issue here is just that this doesn't work when lebron is out there by himself um even i mean it it's closer to like a cleveland style lebron like a first iteration mm-hmm. of Cleveland mm-hmm. where there's just not enough around him. And it, it's sad a little bit. I mean, granted he put himself in this spot and asked for a lot of this, but like, it's a little bit sad watching like a 37 year old LeBron carrying this much of the workload. Like you don't want him to have to do that. Um, but if Russ is the alternative, like that's not really a good alternative either. So um, of course it's a concern, you know, and, and I imagine that LeBron has to be thinking some of that too. I imagine part of the reason he left Miami when he did was the fact that Wade's knees were going a little bit. Um, Now, granted, he was older than AD, but if AD's body is having the same sorts of problems, which he's always had injury scares, um, I just don't know what this is supposed to look like for LeBron or anybody else long term. So Davis, it's funny, you know, coming into this season, I think I was like I had them in a high tier in the Western Conference because I thought Davis would be great. I th- I kind of excused last season on the bubble and the short term, the short turnaround for the Lakers and all the teams that were in the bubble at the end basically broke down last season and it was understandable. Uh this season like I thought he he would be an MVP candidate. I thought he would be clearly the best player on the Lakers. That just hasn't happened. I think defensively he's played um, he's had moments of, okay, this guy is a total game-changing presence and entire games, in fact, where he's been like that and looked like that. But offensively, like, Russ has opened some things up. I think it's understated. The positive impact Russ has had on Westbrook is giving him more touches around the rim. Um, their pick and roll is still a little, you know, it's still pretty effective when they're, when they're small and the floor is spaced. But, like, his mid-range jumper is just, it's it's just not... A weapon like right. we thought it could be the three-point shot is just not even close i mean what's he shooting like 17 percent or something like it's just it's yeah. it's it's really uh concerning um and i like long term short term i think it's just like it's whatever honestly it's like the lakers aren't that good and they made no moves at the trade deadline reportedly ownership was just like you got yourself in this mix you uh you in this mess you figure it out, which is kind of like, well, kind of, but kind of not. Like, they're, they're the players. Like, uh, someone else puts the team together. Someone else is unwilling to pay Alex Caruso. <laughs> so I, I don't really – that's not fair. Um, but, but yeah, like, in the short term, I don't think that they're going to do anything. If they do actually make the playoffs, um, they're just going to get waxed by Phoenix. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Phoenix you remember you there. remember when people argued last year that like it was a fluke that Phoenix won because of just because of the AD injury? First of all, I wasn't convinced of that. Phoenix was pretty solid the whole series before that. And Chris Paul's Chris arm Paul was, was like out of his socket. Yeah, yeah. So like he wasn't able to shoot. So 
but like people there's a certain Lakers exceptionalism that exists within parts of the fan base. I won't say it's everybody, but like granted, AD, I think people are used to just looking at playoff matchups and saying, okay, AD, LeBron, this is the Lakers. Even if they're the lower seed, the Lakers should be favored here, all things being equal. Okay, yeah, but people are thinking about the the bubble AD. They're thinking about a LeBron that's fully healthy, which he was not. And the Suns were really good last year, and people thought that they were probably fluky because they just so happened to finish near the top of the conference last year. They were really, really good the whole year. And they've been better this year, and they've been really good this whole year. What is it now, mm-hmm. 19 of 20 that they've won? And that they already had an 18-game winning streak earlier in the year? Like, they're really, really good. If you end up playing them, you're not going to win. And Unless, again, <laughs> like you and Davis, if you're, you, LeBron, and Anthony Davis just go supernova, you've got a shot. But I'm not even sure then I would take them, especially with home court advantage for Phoenix. So I, I don't know. Like people, I, I think for a while they've just quietly, like people have just kind of been quiet about the fact that the Lakers are not anywhere near a favorite anymore out of the West. I mean, obviously they're not when they're in playoff play in range. Um, but it's weird because I feel like it hasn't gotten that much attention because they're still on national TV. They've gotten some benefit of the doubt because of the injuries it's just very weird to like talk about a hot seat for Vogel and to raise the question of like, what the hell are the Lakers doing in their management and everything else. And to talk about how big a loss it is to not have Caruso or to have just missed out on DeRozan when they clearly are having a big impact for Chicago. You can't have all those conversations at the same time without acknowledging that the Lakers are not a serious contender. They just haven't been for months. And um, I don't know. We know that, but like, it's just not enough people have just straight up said it. They look as bad as they are. They look that way. They every now and yeah. then will surprise you and win a, a game like the other night. But um, I mean, they've looked the, the Knicks are the same way. Like they look that bad where they're struggling against bad teams. But those are also the only teams that they manage to beat every now and then. Um, every now and then you'll, you'll reach up and you'll beat a Warriors club. But it doesn't feel real. It feels like there are aspects of it where it's like, oh, they, they caught them slipping on a, a given night. But anyway, neither here nor there. It, it's a huge long term problem. And I think a big enough one to like this off season. Vogel's probably out at this rate. Um, I would assume I, so. <laughs> which I which I hate that for him. I mean, he's he's certainly made mistakes. I, I wrote that in my column a couple of days ago. But you know, I think he's a good coach. I, I think that this roster was a disaster to start. But I I think you do have to really take a look at what you have. And even with that, I don't know what you do. Like, can you realistically break up LeBron and AD given the agency situation? Do you just get another coach? Do you just blow up the rest of the roster around them? I don't know what you do, but like if AD's not healthy, none of it matters. And, uh, you know, and if LeBron is going to be nicked up, which he's going to be probably at this age, does it matter? I don't know. There's more questions than answers with this team right now. I feel like I'm going to, first of all, Apologies to listeners who are screaming and pulling their hair out about us talking about the Lakers again. But it's kind of like, I'm sorry, like LeBron is having, if the team was okay and they had sensible pieces around him, he would be in the MVP conversation. He's been so good. It's like historic what he's doing. Makes no sense. So did you get asked? Can I ask you something really quick? Did you get asked by Bontemps, Tim Bontemps from ESPN to, to take part in that straw poll? I did, yes. Okay. So I was really – LeBron was not on the ballot. Like, he didn't finish at all with a single point in MVP voting. I kind of wrote it down and scribbled out some names. I had to scribble out LeBron's name because I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. The Lakers' record is this. I can't make a good argument for him within what the standings are to include him. He's been one of the five best players in the league this year. I don't even think there's a question. So depending on how you ascertain value, that's where that question lies. But he's, I mean, you can very easily, I think, argue with everything taken into account, he's been one of the five, if not six best players in the league this year. Like statistically, he's been off the charts. Look at what he's done for the last two months. Like he's been insane because he's trying to do all of it by himself on a team that's not good. Even when Davis has been out there, has not really been that good. And he's had to make up for the stuff that Russ isn't doing or have to clean up some of the stuff that Russ is doing. He would be, I mean, people complain about LeBron not having gotten his MVPs. Complain about this roster that is making it to where he can't even be in a conversation for one. Especially when so many guys are getting hurt 
Curry is shooting historically poorly for himself to a point where you've got guys like DeRozan in the conversation. That I don't think anybody dreamed would be in it. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it's it's bad. It's it's that bad. I voted for DeRozan. Not first, but I had him on. I did, too. I did, ballot. too. He's, he was either fourth or fifth on mine. I think he was fourth on mine. He's, he's ridiculous. Um, real quick before we move on, because we're spending a lot of time on this. Um, LeBron's two-point field goal percentage this season is 62.2 where do you think that ranks in his career in in the 18 seasons 62.2 from inside the three-point line it's either first or second i could see maybe one of those years with miami maybe being a little bit higher am i right or am i wrong with that you're very 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 close it's tied tied for number one with the 2013-2014 season when he was with the Heat. 29 years old. Yeah, very good, Chris. Close. Very, very good. Yeah, we'll give that one to you. Um, right. So what he's doing is just like, I, I can't even... It's like unfathomable, honestly, Jeez. given the circumstances, given his age, given what's around him, given... I mean, he's playing with Russell Westbrook and... The, I, yeah, the numbers and would be even better, that. honestly, if he was in a better environment some of that is on said. him sure but you know it it is what it is uh so the lakers interesting i feel like i'm gonna be writing a should not should but like what can the lakers get for anthony davis column in like two or three months they need to be but. considering it i just don't know that they will with the agency situation like that's the other thing that comes into play which i feel like that was something i wrote about when i covered the knicks constantly with the caa connections to the knicks and and how they always bent over backwards for CAA and Carmelo's agency. And it's like, this is actually more intertwined because of that, because of all the guys that have ties and, you know, tentacles in that orbit. But it, mm-hmm. it creates problems like this. So it'll be fascinating. Let's move on. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Okay, so let's do some all-star predictions um, there are, let's see, there's the rising stars, there's the three-point shootout, the dunk contest, the actual game. Um, we did a roundtable on SI.com that should be up right now where we kind of made our predictions for all of these events. Uh, again, super duper serious stuff here. Um, that, you know, just like hours of, 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 of sweat <laughs> went into... Uh, the decision-making process, research, hours of research. Um, let's start with uh, Rising Stars, which I – or not Rising Stars. Yes, Rising Stars. Let's start with Rising Stars, which I – it looks like they're they're uh, changing. They changed the, the setup this year. There's four teams that were picked by uh, four iconic players in NBA history. Um and they'll be playing this like round robin style game tournament, whatever. I'm going to be attending it tonight. Can't wait. Going to be great. But when you looked at the rosters for these teams, Chris, like which yep. one? Which one do you think is going to emerge at the top of I, the heap? So I had to, I had to just like even look at how it worked first of all, because like you said, it's like this weird round robin thing. You got four teams instead of two for Rising Stars, which I did not understand that. Um, but then once you broke it down, I looked at it. I thought Team Peyton was the best roster, uh, which has LaMelo, Scotty Barnes, Io DeSumo, Bones Highland, 
And you have Jonathan Kaminga, who just got added to the team, but I was kind of surprised he wasn't on it to begin with. So I would take them. I mean, you've got a mix of shooting. You've got some length. You've got some energy. You've got defense. Uh, and you guys, guys that can create their own shots. So I would take them without really thinking about it too much. But then again, um, this is one of those things where you need to seek a little bit of help if you've got money riding on this Rising Stars thing. So I don't particularly care. They're young guys. Anything could happen. They're going to be trying to impress us. But that's the team that I would take. So we are in line. That is also the team that I selected. It was funny because I was looking at, when I first looked at the rosters, I saw Team Barry, Team Rick Barry, has Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley and Franz Wagner. I liked it too. And I was like, oh, I liked it too. those are like the three best rookies. So <laughs> sure, let's go there. And then I was scouring through and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that LaMelo Ball was in this competition. Right. And I was like, he's a legitimate all-star. So I'm going there. And then I'm looking at the roster. And I'm like, I love Scotty Barnes, all the players you mentioned, um, plus Jaden McDaniels, who I feel is going to win a Defensive Player of the Year trophy at some point uh and i was like oh mm-hmm. like if they actually try like the def- the defenders on this team are ridiculous exactly exactly they may try not knowing they're too young to know they're not supposed to be trying um <laughs> but i feel like there's a lot of defense on that roster and there's some shooting where when i start thinking about Cade's roster and mobley mobley will be giving effort i love that dude like it was hard for me not to pick them hard for me not pick franz but I was like, there's more shooting on the roster that we were just talking about than on the roster with really the first few picks of the draft. And I, I just feel better about the team that we both had. Okay, so let's move on to uh, to the three-point contest here. Um, the participants, interesting slate, uh, CJ McCollum, Trey Young, yeah. Zach Levine, Des Bain, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Fred Van Vliet, Luke Kennard, and Patty Mills. A lot of really, really good shooters for sure. Um, did anyone? I'm I'm so bad at picking this because me too. It's just it's <laughs> it's like everyone's good, but also nobody. You don't know how people are going to respond to the rack. And I I think I picked Trey Young a few years back or two years. I don't even remember when he was in it, and he was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Does any do any of these names kind of uh stand out to you as a favorite? Yeah, yeah. I took um I picked Van Vliet. I don't know why. Wow. I was not I expecting like, that. I just I don't like to pick the favorite in events like these. I, I you know, like a step is in it, even if he's in it, I don't pick Steph. It's just like too easy. But it's a weird slate of guys, not weird, but like it's just you have such it kind of runs the gamut of players in the league. You have like a legitimate star. You've got legitimate all-stars on the team. You've got guys that are kind of more like role players. It, it's kind of a fun slate of guys this year. Um, but I, I don't know. Like Van Vliet has been hot lately. He shoots well. I feel like the way he shoots, maybe he gets up a little bit higher in the games than he needs to for a three-point contest. But I feel like the stroke is relatively consistent. I, I, I could see him doing it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like for certain people, like Levine's in it. He's a very good shooter. I kind of feel like he he knows what the pressure is, but it's different for a dunk contest than a three-point contest. Um, I feel like Trey, I'm so rare, so rare for me to see Trey shooting right from the line. This dude's normally pulling up from 40. So I, I, I like someone that kind of takes these shots, a lot of these shots in a game. Van Vliet can pull up from deep, but I feel like he's at the line a lot of the time. And he's like kind of he's not a favorite. He's not favored for this. So I like that about him too. Maybe too much logic involved in this, but I like Beverly. No logic? You can never have too much logic, Chris. That's impossible. <laughs> um I I try to figure out who I think cares the most. Like who has been practicing like hard. So we're looking at the All Stars, the actual All Stars, and I'm like, does is Trey really like does he have this? as the number one focus on his mind coming into this weekend? I don't think so. Uh, Zach Levine, I don't think so. Um, Kat, I don't think so. Um, you picked Fred. I Same mentality for me. I was like, if, if Fred was just here for this event, I'd feel a lot, more be- I'd feel a lot better about it, um, which is why 
it came down to me between Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard. And I don't know why I've always been pseudo infatuated with Luke Kennard, but he's just like every time he shoots, man, I just think it's going in like every single time. Maybe it's because he's left handed and the stroke looks so smooth, but I actually did do a little bit of research here. Um, not that it took hours like I was mentioning earlier, but you know, <laughs> went to NBA.com, looked at some of the splits. And on catch and shoot, he's like 45% this season. When he's hmm. wide open, he's 50 point something percent and like 50.9 or 51.9. I'm like, okay, that's that's very good. And there are no defenders in this contest. So I'm going Canard. And I, I, you know, I don't feel super duper confident about it because you is... can't with that many people. And and like the thing that's weird about the contest, you have so many players that are better than the guy that you're ultimately picking to win. Same with me and Van Vliet, even though he's an all star himself. So it's like you have to kind of take that out of the equation. And so you could never feel good about it, even if you pick Steph, you can't feel good about it because the guy might just miss a few or anything else might happen. Uh, and they've added in those damn money balls. They have like, you could put all the money balls on one rack. So you don't know where the guys are going to do that. Like it would be very hard to handicap something like this because you don't know where guys are going to place their money balls for first time contestants. So it's, or if the league is just going to up and make every shot a money ball, which I feel like they change the rules with it every other year. So it's impossible to, that's why I'm saying like those, those, Phone numbers that give you like the helplines that they give you like in case you're struggling with gambling. <laughs> if you're really going in on some of these events, I'll, I'll give you the three point contest. But like if you're going in on rising stars and if you're going in on like the skills competition, like maybe it's not appropriate for me to be like seek help because it's saying a lot. But like, no, I you agree. Might you, at least, you should seek. You help might at least want to put the f- number in your phone. If you're, I'll put it that way. if you're gambling on these things. Yeah, I, I think you should definitely seek help. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Okay, let's move on to Slam Dunk, which, as I said at the top, is it makes me feel like a kid. Um, it's Christmas morning for me. Love the Slam Dunk contest so much. Uh, this year's participants are uh, Jalen Green, Obi Toppin, uh, James Toscano Anderson, and Cole Anthony. Uh, who did you? Who do you like here? I think there's a clear favorite personally, but and I, I would actually be kind of surprised if he lost. But who who do you like here? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about Jalen Green here. Uh, I'm not. Wow, incredible! You're talking about you're talking about Obi Toppin then. Oh my goodness, no! <laughs> what the hell? Who are you talking about? Cole Anthony, baby. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Tell me, tell me why. You, sorry, you're picking Jalen Jalen Green. Is that your is that it, your selection? It's not. It wasn't close for me. I was trying to find a reason not to take him, and I'd looked. So I I did some research on this too. This is why you and me or you and me, like you're doing research on catch and shoot percentages when guys are left open. Um, I'm looking at like past dunk contests they've competed in because I was trying to figure out like how does Cole Anthony's dunks, you know, how does, how do they look? Has he done this before? He has. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking, I was sitting there looking at Juan Toscano Anderson's dunks and they all basically look the same as far as like, he's an I in-game I don't dunker. know why he's, it's one of those things where I want to know who said no. He's really, really, really athletic. Sure. Um, but he, like when I was looking at his his dunks, they're all in game dunks, and they're all like 
we always talk about the four on threes that Golden State gets because of all the attention put on Steph. So he always is driving into like a wide open lane and someone trying to catch up to him at the last second. So he's really athletic. Like he jumps really high and takes off from really far away. Maybe he can do more and maybe he's got more up his sleeve with regards to this. But like to me, because I've never seen him do anything else, Obi is a really good dunker. He's a really good MDM dunker. He, he jumps over the top of a lot of people with uh, a lot of alley-oops and stuff. He gets out in transition. In college, he did the between-the-legs dunk in-game. Um, so he's really athletic. Like I think he has a chance to win, but I think he's such a long dude that I think it's going to like – it won't look as cool as when it's somebody shorter. Um, and those guys always kind of get dinged for being taller than everybody else. So um, I looked at Coles, and like I think he's – the thing that you don't have when you're his height, and the, I mean, obviously, he's not Spud Webb's height. He's over six feet tall. But like when you're just barely cracking six feet, I feel like all your dunks tend to look the same because like it's just kind of a little bit of a struggle to get there and get over the rim. So when I was watching the ones that Cole Anthony did for a previous dunk competition, I can't remember if it was high school, if it was college or whatever it was. They all kind of looked like a, a slight variation of the same thing, more or less. Uh Jalen Green's tall enough and athletic enough to where his are look his look different, but also somebody kind of outed him, or maybe he wanted to be outed as to one of the ones that he was kind of practicing for this weekend. And I was like, oh shit. Like, if that's what he's pulling out, and that's just like a dunk that he can do, oh shit. So I, I just find it hard to believe that he maybe he'll botch some of them and then you don't win because of that. But like he he's got enough athleticism and like he's got some of that jaw Morant stuff to him where like even some of his missed dunks are spectacular just because he's trying to take you all the way out with his dunks. So who knows, but I think he should probably be the favorite. I'd be surprised if he's not the betting favorite for it. Like I said, people will bet on this one and I, I kind of understand that, but I kind of feel like he'll be the betting favorite. Why, why are you so, why are you so up on Cole? I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. So maybe I'm, I'm coming to this with a little bit of a bias. So uh, a few years ago, I profiled Cole when he was 16, um, visited his home, watched him work out a bunch, spent a bunch of time with him. And in my st- I went back and I read parts of the story uh, recently. And in there, I predict that he's going to win the slam dunk contest. And I've had it fixated in my head after watching him dunk in person um, in this little YMCA gym when he was like 16 years old. And I was just like, I've never seen anyone jump from that far with that much power before ever, like this close. Uh, And I was just transfixed by it. And... I feel like this was like uh, this was preordained for him to win this contest. So he, as you said, he did win. I think it was AAU, um, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Uh, won an AAU dunk contest. Uh, just such a freak athlete, and definitely cares about it and really wants to win. Not that anyone else participating doesn't, but when you add in the size him being small as you mentioned like if he were to take off from the free throw line or something like that and actually convert those are the type of dunks that you just win with so and i think he can do that so that's 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 my logic here yeah yeah we'll see if i'm right but like jalen yeah jalen green is like just an absolute monster and um i also want to say like uh, really wish Ja Morant was in this contest because he could have one of the greatest performances Ooh. of all time. Ooh. And Ooh. I hope I, he does one at some point. I know he he uh, he told his dad I know um, years ago that he would participate in the NBA Slam Dunk Contest at All Star Weekend when he became an All Star. If he becomes an All Star, he would do it. So his dad asked, told him like. All right, you're an all star now. What's going on with the sun contest? And he's just like, actually, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Actually, I'm going back on it. <laughs> so, so. LeBron did that once upon a time where he said he was going to do it. He's like, I'm thinking it's early, but you know, I'm thinking I'm going to do it next year. Next year's dunk contest. Then he just never did. That was like 2006, 2007, and it just <sighs> never happened. Which yeah. I, I, I will say, I think we overhyped that a little bit. Like, 
LeBron is a really good in-game dunker. He probably there was a time in his career where he could have probably done something spectacular, but I do think he's a better in-game dunker, and that was kind of his rationale. It's like he don't want to ruin it or you know not come up small. I mean, it does put you on a massive stage, and there is something to be said for guys like Levine at that point in his career, or like an Aaron Gordon that they're really good players, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Nobody carries the pressure of that, though. I mean, granted, it's also like a ten-minute thing, so if it's not good, I don't think LeBron's any lesser because he, you know, he wasn't the greatest dunk contest dunker ever, but um, I, I do think we've overhyped it a little bit, but I, I really hope Morant does it. Cause also, as we're talking about a league that now I think everybody's on full watch with John Morant and knowing how good he is, but we talk about stuff that can build up someone's profile, like Levine before he became an all-star, this is what he was known for. And then it's like, Oh, and he's like a really, really, really good player too. And, you know, like a max level player, mm-hmm. maybe a, borderline franchise player you know Ja doesn't need that necessarily but i feel like when you talk about stuff that popularizes someone from a smaller market that the league probably come next year will catch up on fully and start showcasing him in more games um this is the sort of thing that would probably help with that a little bit when you're at his level so it could be something really good for him to do and he's already starting to just i feel like he's starting to build that persona and that demeanor too of the idea of walking up to the kid that's wearing a steph jersey in memphis uh, you know, like the legend of Jaws being built a little bit this year, and uh, it, it would have been cool if he'd done the dunk contest this season. It would have been very cool. Um, okay, so for the listeners who are saying, "What about the skills challenge?" I say, "I'm sorry, nobody cares. We're not going to be talking about that um, on this episode." I care. You care about the skills challenge, Chris? I only care about it because I think it's really, really cool that Giannis is Giannis and his brothers are going to be involved. Like they should have done it like Family Feud style. It would have yeah, made it they should more have just fun. Played family was, Feud. I would watch them play. Could have had the play Plumleys family in feud. this thing. If it, if it had been the Plumleys and like the Giannis, you know the the Antetokounmpo's and uh-huh. like the I'm trying to think what other families do we have in the NBA? Really, um, it would have been that would have been super cool, and I would have been completely down. But I think they they. They're selling us a little bit short by only giving us one family, but I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by that. That's among the things I'm intrigued by. <laughs> Bring the Gasols back. That that would be a wonderful. That would be cool. Event. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, okay, but that that you you just that's the end of the skills discussion, I guess. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let's talk about the game, the actual game. Um, There was a draft. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people saw it. Uh, Rowan and I talked about it for a couple of minutes in our last episode. Uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James on national television. And you look at these rosters in hindsight, and I don't know about you, but like Team LeBron is so much better. You know why? You know why it happened that way? Please explain. I mean, you know why it happened that way. Because a certain someone was trying so hard not to draft somebody <laughs> that yeah. he jacked up the rest of his roster by just like, play a keep away basically uh, i looked at the rosters though and i was like yo with the exception of i mean westbrook didn't make the game and then obviously durant is a former mvp himself lebron's got like the last six years worth of mvps on his team like yep. league mvps and then he has himself the only one he doesn't have is is durant uh so it i mean it, 
And not to mention that he also has like Luca on his team. It's like, this is such a lopsided thing. Now, again, they're not playing hard. So like anybody could win still, but yo, Katie picked a horrible team. Like it's, it's not good. Um, and he's not. also not playing, which hurts his team. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> this is going to yeah. be a bad, this has the potential to not be a good game. Like I don't, Again, I don't care enough to predict or project, but you know this team's not good relative to who LeBron has. Like, and LeBron wasn't taking it fully seriously either. Dude was laughing behind the clipboard the ha- half the time <laughs> during the whole draft. So it, it's pretty hilarious how bad a team Durant got. I mean, when you have so he has. Let's uh, real quick. I'll just run down the just the starters. Um, team LeBron is LeBron, DeMar DeRozan, who's averaging, who's, I mean, he's like breaking Will Chamberlain records, so just on a completely different plane of existence. Um, Jokic, who in my opinion is the best player in the world and should win MVP. Uh, Steph Curry, have you heard of him? And Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I think when LeBron picked him, he was like the hardest playing all-star and all-star competition, which like is very, yep. very funny way to put it, but like is also accurate. And like Giannis wants to win and cares about that stuff. So that matters in this context. Um, they're going up against uh, Joel Embiid, uh, obviously um, wonderful MVP candidate, uh, Ja Morant, Jason Tatum, who replaced Durant um, in the starting five, uh, Andrew Wiggins making his first all-star appearance. I wonder if he scores. And uh, Trey Young, who's – I'm a big fan of Trey Young um, and could just take over the game. Who knows? But I think Ja, ja will go hard because that's who he is. And he's not passive at all. He's not going to be one of those guys who's happy to be there. So – if you're, you know, if you're thinking that Team Duran has a chance, that's a player right there who's like, no one's gonna foul him hard when he gets to the, you know what I mean? Like he's just gonna draw, like, show the explosiveness. I'm sure there will be some dunks out of him in the game that will be absolutely incredible. Um, but then like the thing, yeah, the thing is like, then you go so the the starters are clearly in Le- Team LeBron's favor, but then when you look at the reserves. I think Luca. I don't want to step on, but I'm about to step on the next question, which is who is going to win MVP. Um, I'm picking Luca for this because I just feel like this is a passing of the torch situation for him. Like he's not been good in All Stars so far. He has eight points, I think, in both of his appearances, and I, I, I don't know, like. The way that he's played over the past few weeks, where he's just like, "Oh yeah, I'm probably like say someone's he's like daring anyone to say he's not the best player in the world again." I just feel like this is the time in your career where it's like, okay, the All Star Game is about showcasing, like elevating yourself above other All Stars and winning All Star MVP. I think it should matter. I think it does matter to some players. And I think this is the time for Luca to be like, I'm actually in that top, 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 top tier. Um, so I'm picking Luca there. He's like coming off the bench for this team. Um, Chris Paul, who's just like the All Star game, is Chris Paul like uh, catnip. He's always incredible. He's like he'll always be forever. I mean, he's so selfless and sets everybody else up. Um, Having him on your team in All Stars is, is incredible. Uh, he'll probably be uh, in the closing five if the game is close. Uh, so it's just no contest to me about who's going to win and whatever. I, I hope that it's more competitive than that. But uh, who do you think is going to win MVP, Chris? For me, it's LeBron, and I, I don't have to think about it much. I mean, obviously, it might not be him, but you take into account what we were saying earlier about the Lakers and the fact that they're not likely to really contend or be playing for much where were their expectations after this season that they've had. So LeBron doesn't have much to look forward to. He probably knows it's going to be a really uphill climb to try to do what he wants to do with that the rest of the season. Um, and also that this game is being played in Cleveland. And also that this game is one that 
LeBron generally goes pretty hard to try to win the MVP. Like he very much has legacy in mind. I think he's very mindful of like how many all-star game MVPs he has and how many league MVPs he has because he's constantly stacking it up against the other guys that are in the kind of the pantheon and in the, the rarefied air he is. So I, I, I absolutely think LeBron wants to win it. I think the Cleveland part of it probably means something to him in a way that we hadn't really factored in. Um, and I think that in a year where there's not much else happening, where he's playing as well as he's really played in years, despite the fact that he's not going to be honored for it in the form of an MVP, I think he's going to come for the, the trophy. I, I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he's going to try. And I think generally speaking, his effort levels really high in first halves when he feels like there's a chance to win it until it re- he realizes that like, Oh, actually Giannis is going to get it because Giannis has made his first 14 shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could be wrong, but I think that I think LeBron's going to make a really concerted effort to get it. The Cleveland aspect is very interesting and you're right. Like if LeBron wants it, uh, then he can take it because he's LeBron. But that's why I kind of saw, like, I foresee a changing of the guard type of event here with Luca. Hmm. Um, but I could totally be wrong, and all of Me this too. is actually meaningless. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's enough All Star talk. Um, let's open the mailbag, Chris. Um, we have this really interesting one from Alec, who writes. If you were Sean Marks, would you rather have Kyrie Irving for half of the Nets games or add a player that is half as good for every game? Let me elaborate. I am pulling stats from 538's Raptor. In Kyrie's most recent three seasons of, quote, regular availability, around 2,000 minutes or more, he has averaged 8.5 wins above replacement. But would you rather have a player with half of Kyrie's wins above replacement for every game? That would be about 4.25 war. Here is the list of players who are averaging between 4.3 and 4 war this season. I feel really weird saying war as an acronym, but anyway, here are the players. Um, Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Anthony Edwards, Kevin Love, Royce O'Neal, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Andrew Wiggins, Tyrese Halliburton, Jonas Valanciunas. Um, Alec writes, please disregard team chemistry for this exercise because there are so many people who think it would be addition by subtraction. I have never been a Kyrie fan, but he is clearly a very talented basketball player who impacts the game in a major way. Uh, so Chris, um, I'll throw it to you. This is actually a very, uh, very interesting question. Um, the players I just named are, are all good. I don't know if any are as talented or can have the type of impact in a playoff series that Kyrie can, but Kyrie cannot play games as of right now in uh, Brooklyn, which uh, complicates things. So would you rather have, uh, you know, I guess like a replacement level player or not? It's, it's not really an accurate way to put it, but just one of the players that I listed who was not Kyrie for every game, or would you have rather have um, Kyrie Irving on your team in the vaccinated context that he's in? I I looked at the list I, for now, for this year, for right now, I would probably rather have one of these guys over Kyrie for every other game. The other ones, I don't know, necessarily know that I trust them in a playoff context. Okay. So that's why. Um, like LaMelo obviously is great. First of all, I thought it was really interesting. The first three guys you mentioned were all Hornets, by the way. Um, it is interesting. LaMelo, Miles Bridges, and Rogier. But um, like I, Anthony Edwards is going to be incredible at some point. Like he already is in flashes and moments, but I don't know yet like whether or not. Also, Kyrie's a point guard. So the role that you're asking him to play is different, particularly now that you don't have Harden anymore. It's a different role. It's a different context. You can't just plug in Kevin Love. Like if you're plugging in someone for the Nets, who I would want, the one person from this list I would want is Hal Burton. Um, hmm. He plays. He plays like more of a vet, despite the fact that he's young, which shows in like his assist to turnover ratio. He can have the ball, but doesn't have to have the ball. But he's playing hard. Like he's a smart player. Um, and I think those sorts of contributions, night in, night out are ones that any team would benefit from, let alone. And I think it's why, like, obviously I follow a lot of people from the Knicks fan base because I used to cover them and had a book to promote to them. They were like 
heartbroken that the Knicks, the Knicks were talking so much about potentially trading for De'Aaron Fox, not even knowing that maybe the Knicks did know that Halbert might be on the market. I don't know who knew that, but Knicks fans were like, wait a minute. Like, that's all it took to get Fox or how it took to get Halliburton. And we're sitting here talking about Fox. Like, you know, and, and I think there are probably a lot of fan bases that felt that way, that if he were available, that they would have been willing to get off of some of their young pieces or some of their decent trade assets to get somebody like that. I think part of it is that like he fits so many situations and that he's such a smart player where normally there's a really steep learning curve for young guys. I'm sure there's one involved with him too. But he's just a guy that, you know, in terms of the plus minus, in terms of the advanced stuff that you and I look at, but also fits the eye test enough. Like he's not wildly athletic, but is a really, really good player in a way similar to like Brogdon was. Um, Maybe he's better in some ways than Brogdon is. Um, But, you know, I I think that he's a player that I would feel comfortable. What you're talking about, what you literally can't have with Kyrie is consistency Mm -hmm. because of him being in and out of the lineup. So I, for me, I'm looking at that list that you gave me, and I'm like, who's most consistent? And I think you can maybe make an argument for other guys, but who's most consistent as a point guard? Rozier's number is higher as far as his contract. Hal Burton, the value that you get for him right now is just fantastic. I would pick him. Yeah, this is it's a really fascinating thought exercise. I th- I mean, I think I, I know what Daryl Morey would say. Um, he would say Kyrie Irving 10 times out of 10. And particularly in on a on a team that has KD that now has Ben Simmons assuming Ben Simmons looks like what he has throughout his career that has Seth Curry that has uh some vets um maybe uh Joe comes back we'll see they have the great Cam Thomas but i think like knowing i have Kyrie even for like even in a part-time context he just lifts my ceiling and he can make my offense basically unguardable. Um, I don't think any of these names can make me invincible in the same way. So I see the consistency factor for sure. And I, I would totally get that argument. I think I, I'm probably wrong about this to be honest with you, if someone can be wrong, but like I would rather have say like Halliburton's a really fascinating one, but in a playoff series, or a, like a finals, which is like really what is matters here. Like this, they, this team wants is built to win the championship, right? I just don't know. Like I, I would rather have Kyrie for three or four games in the finals than I would mm. have Andrew Wiggins for all of the games or Halliburton wow. for all of the games. See, yeah, it's it's. I just think it's all really interesting until like look at the impact that Draymond not being available for the one game was. And that yep. series against the Cavs, like I, I think it's easy to say that from the outset. But then when you get into it and you have a, a game seven, it really kills you if Kyrie can't be there for a game seven, let alone a game seven, a game <laughs> not be four, great. and a game three <laughs> or whatever it would be or however it would shake out. Like if he can't play three games or God forbid four because of the home road split, that's that's like, I mean, I, I guess that is legitimately just the questions being asked would you rather have half of someone but it might be less than half depending sure. on the, the way the series shakes out i can't get i can't get behind that because that's essentially what we saw brooklyn play with last year now granted it was him and harden that were hurt but that was enough to take them out of a series that they would have won probably so i don't i don't think i would want to sign up for that it's just difficult it yeah i don't think i would sign up for that well that's what the nets signed up for so <laughs> We'll see see how it works out for him. Um, okay, Chris, let's let's close on this question from uh, Zachariah, who writes: Seeing Kristaps Porzingis get shipped out reminds me of another awesome guard losing a big man due to playing styles. Luca is dynamic, but has a super high usage. Teammates appear to not like sitting back to watch the Luca show. And it's just the same as Harden in Houston. Is this a repeat in the making? Uh, thank you, Zachariah. Very interesting question. Um, I think that the question of what ideal coast, what what an ideal co-star is for Luca going forward, is is a very fascinating, a very significant one, a very important one around the NBA. 
But I also think at the end of the day, and maybe this is recency bias, maybe this is me thinking about the series he had against the Clippers or mm-hmm. just how ridiculous he has been since they traded KP. Um, maybe this guy does not need another pseudo all-NBA player, pseudo all-star by his side. Like, maybe you can win a title. Maybe he's so special that you can win a championship by insulating him with a great defense, giving him some just, like, really ideal complementary role players, shooting, uh, maybe another playmaker who isn't the most elite playmaker, um, doesn't have to be Chris Paul, doesn't have to be whoever, doesn't have to be, like, Donovan Mitchell, but... Someone who, um, I guess, like, on a Jalen Brunson level. Um, Maybe the blueprint is Dirk in 2011, where he's the guy, and then you just have all these wonderful role players around him who slide in, who know what they have to do, who are very consistent, who excel at what their responsibilities are, and who complement Dirk, and they won a title. is that possible? Like, does this dude need another all-star? And maybe it's not, like, I understand how playing with him might not be the most um, exciting or appealing thing for some people. I know Josh Richardson is one guy who just, it didn't work out with, for him in Dallas because of that. But I, I don't know. I think Luca might just be that special that he doesn't need another, like a co-star, like, that, like a traditional co-star. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, the interesting thing is that the reader, let me, what was the reader's name? The reader's name is Zechariah. It's yes. a good question. I just think that, like you said, I, I think the point you raise is good too, that a second star doesn't necessarily make you a better team if it's not the perfect fit. So Harden went from a situation where he was just kind of the guy and then they brought in Dwight and then they bring in Chris Paul and they bring in, Russell Westbrook and then James Harden goes and joins two stars in Brooklyn, which granted, I think we kind of see how that broke down. Chances are if they play together long enough and you don't have the craziness with the, well, let me not label as crazy, but the the vaccination stuff with Kyrie and they just stay healthy. They probably do get a title at some point in Brooklyn. Uh, I know you, you certainly were, were very, um, very big on that at the beginning of the season. You know, they had, they, they had, they had some depth to their team. They ended up getting Aldridge back as well. Like this was a team that I don't think anybody was going to want to play and like probably does beat the team that won last year. So I say all that to say this, like Harden has led the league in assists. Yes. There were probably people that got tired of just sitting there standing around, but he led the league in assists at one point. Like he's not someone that can't pass the ball. It's that that was the style of play that he was using that D'Antoni at some point was kind of saying we should do this we should try this we should utilize this um so luca does that too luca moves the ball plenty he's one of the best passers in the league Mm -hmm. um you got to be really careful about who that second star is because you get someone that clashes with them which i don't know that he and kp were clashing necessarily but like that was not a perfect fit for him um and i think it was fascinating that they got bertans for porzingis because it's like Okay, so if what you like about Porzingis is his range, we'll just go get a dude that's the same height as him. They can shoot from just as far away. He doesn't have the same skill set. He's certainly not a star, but like we can replicate enough of the other, the other stuff that KP does. Right. We'll just get somebody that can shoot from that same distance. So they, you know, I think it was smart for them to get off of that deal um, because his deal alone was going to make it too difficult to bring in somebody else that, you know, in that role. And so now I don't know. I don't know who that second star is. I think they have that big question coming up with Brunson that will be interesting to see how they play that because I think a lot of people are going to want him, but I don't know if you can max him. If you're Dallas, you certainly can't give him the, the full, full max. I don't think you'd want to, um, no. but somebody, but somebody will give him a lot of money. That would be a big hit for Dallas, but it, certainly I'm not advocating letting him go, but like you, you probably do want to remake this roster quite a bit. If um, depending on what happens this year and how far they get, because Luca is incredible. We all know it. And I think he could be built around. I think it's just a question of how to do it. It's going to be really interesting to see. Spencer Dinwiddie was a fascinating piece to come back in that trade with KP. And I think I said this already, but he seems to me like he could be insurance for Jalen. And Spencer, you know, two years removed from the torn ACL, if he looks like the guy who 
was in Brooklyn before he was injured, then he's a completely different player than he was in Washington. And people should keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. The heliocentricness of, of Luca is really reminiscent of Harden, but ultimately Harden and CP and the pieces that they had around them, Capella, Eric Gordon, on and on and on and on and on. Um, that team should have won the championship, frankly, if they were thwarted by like the greatest assemblage of talent in the history of basketball. So I think it's definitely possible. I think Luca's great uh, controversial opinion. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I picked him to win the, the all-star MVP. Like I just think he's, he's a superhuman offensive force and, Maybe the Dallas Mavericks should value just flexibility and and finding the right role players than really going all in on another star again. Um, I don't know what the right path is, but it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, Chris, I think that does it for today's show. Thank you so much for being your wonderful self. Thank you so much to our listeners. for all the emails we have a a ton more to get to next week uh keep them coming though keep please the the questions have been fantastic openfloormail at gmail.com that's openfloormail at gmail.com everybody please stay safe everybody enjoy all-star weekend From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.